Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 101 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I'm going to be answering three listener questions. One question has to do with how to manage triggers. Another question has to do with finding safe people after we have been uh, had relationships with a lot of unsafe people. And the third question has to do with how to help churches um, be better at ministering to abuse victims. So let's listen to our first question. Hi, Natalie. I would like to ask if anyone has a good suggestion as to how to manage and cope with triggers. They're unpredictable. They're painful. They bring me right back in a flash to abusive episodes. For me, those triggers can be audio, visual, tactile. They can be aromas. It can be music. And I just am not sure if there's any better way to handle it than I've been handling it. And I'd like to hear from others. Thank you. Bye. Okay, this is a great question. And one that I think really a lot of listeners will be able to relate to. So here's the thing about triggers. We are emotionally triggered by thoughts in our brain. And those thoughts come from our programming. So, for example, if you were programmed to believe that wearing the color red was evil and anyone who did that had sold their soul to the devil, you know, like if you'd believe this from the time you were a small child, and if that belief was hardwired into you with traumatic associations like maybe getting hit or called names or deprived of water or warmth or maybe um, it was associated with being molested, then that programming is going to get triggered in your brain if you see red clothes. Now, I'm giving a kind of a far-fetched example, but hopefully you can see um, how it's possible for your brain to be hardwired with some pretty bizarre things that wouldn't normally make any sense, okay? So other people wouldn't be able to understand why the color red would send you into a panic attack but your brain would know exactly why. So here's the thing about our brains and our thoughts. They are connected to our bodies. Everything works together very beautifully. And when we get thoughts in our brain, whether they are conscious thoughts or non-conscious thoughts, and I've mentioned this before, but 95% of our thoughts are non-conscious. Those thoughts send and trigger hormonal and chemical signals to our body that cause emotions, which are vibrations in our body that are lodged and kept inside the different parts of our body, okay? So triggers also cause our amygdala, this primal brain that we have at the base of our brain, um, brainstem, to get hyped up and ready for a fight or maybe to run away or to freeze, depending on the situation. Your primal brain's job is to keep you safe, 
The only problem is that if you're not in any imminent danger, it's going to actually backfire on you because here's the problem. When your amygdala wakes up and freaks out, your prefrontal cortex, which is in the front of your brain, this is the part of your brain that reasons and thinks and rationalizes and makes decisions. That part of your brain, which you really kind of want to keep online when things are going sideways, that part actually goes offline and shuts down. And again, this whole system is set up to protect you. Um, There's no time to reason through things, for example, if a tiger is coming after you. But if you aren't in imminent danger or real danger, you really don't want your prefrontal cortex to shut down. You kind of want it to be able to engage and help you reason through your situation in a more objective way so that you can make good decisions, so you can strategize and, you know, all the things we need to do as adults. The problem is that our brain and body have been hardwired in a trigger loop that's going to continue to go round and around and around unless something interrupts it. There's this Hebb's Law that says that nerve cells that fire together, wire together. Something has to cut that wire. The reason those thoughts and experiences have become triggers is because your brain and body have never processed through that experience and completed the stress cycle. Now, for me, I went and did EMDR therapy, and I know a lot of you have done that. Um, Hopefully, you've at least heard of it. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And I'm not going to get into that here because it's going to get too involved, but I encourage you to just Google it, EMDR therapy, and you'll find out all about it. Um, But in the moment of a trigger, here are some things that can help you when you are triggered, okay? Number one, stop and take some deep breaths. This helps to calm your amygdala so that your prefrontal cortex can come back online again, enabling you to think rationally, all right? Another thing you can do, or number two, would be to do something physical. So take a walk, do some jumping jacks, lift some weights, dance around. I, I, you know what I like to do? My favorite thing to do when I am super stressed and triggered is I put on my headphones and I, and I go take a walk, like a really brisk walk. This helps your body complete that stress cycle, helps you to process through it. Number three, you can do a thought download. This is where you write down all of the thoughts that your brain is offering you so that you can get them out of your head where they feel really overwhelming and onto paper where you can look at them more objectively. Also, the process of writing actually gets that prefrontal cortex back online and and starting to operate the way it's supposed to, okay? So remember... This is really important, you guys. Remember that the thoughts that you're having, that's not you. That's not who you are. Your thoughts are not who you are. So you don't need to judge your thoughts or feel bad about them as you're writing them down. When I write that, when I do a thought download, I see a lot of pretty crappy things come out of me. All right. And if I'm, but if I'm sitting there judging those or feeling bad about them, all I'm going to do is trigger more of my stuff inside. And I don't want to do that. But if I understand that they're just thoughts that have been programmed into me, and I'm just going to observe them and, and, and observe, observe them objectively, they're just thought sentences 
in my physical brain that are causing hormonal and chemical reactions in my body. That's all they are. And I can only address these things if I'm not basically, you know, attacking myself for them. All right, that just triggers our amygdala even more, right? And then number four, keep a record of the things that are triggering you so that you can discuss them with a skilled therapist. So if you notice that a certain smell is a trigger for you, write it down, write down what you're feeling in your body, write down, you know, what it was that triggered you and write down as many of the thoughts that your brain is offering you as you possibly can. Triggers keep us from being able to control our lives. And we can't ever control our environment, all right? It's, it's pointless to try to do that. But we can control our thinking about our environment. You know, God's Word talks about renewing our minds, and I think this is just a glimpse of what the Bible is referring to. We're talking about breaking addictions to thoughts and emotions that have been memorized and ingrained in our psyche from the time we were small, even infants, all right? And this is going to take time and personal work, but it is a work that is well worth doing. This is exactly the kind of work that we do in the new Flying Higher program for divorced Christian women. This program is opening soon for just a short period of time. It's going to be a smaller group of women who are ready to dig in and do this hard work and make those serious changes in their brains and bodies within a community of other Christian women who are doing the same thing. If you're interested in joining us when it opens up on January 27th, head over to joinflyinghigher.com and get on the waiting list. If you get on that waiting list, I will send you an email when it opens up. It's only going to be open for five days, and then it's going to shut down for six months. And we are going to take this small group of women, whoever wants to join us, and we are going to go, we're going to have a crazy good time with each other. And we are going to grow like like bananas. I was going to say grow like, yeah, we're going to grow, <laughs> we're going to grow like bananas. Oh my goodness. All right, let's listen to the second question. Hi, I'm um, sitting in my car away from my house listening to podcasts and I was so grateful for all the help and support here. My stomach hurts. Um, I've been dealing with headaches and I'm trying to play catch up with all of the um, all of the things that I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm, um, feel like I'm kind of struggling alone because I don't have a safe person to talk to. And it just feels like it would be very helpful to have somebody to just cry on their shoulder. I don't know how to, how to do that, how to find a safe person. Um, everyone I've identified so far, including my sister and my dad. Um, and, and my kids, I can't put that on them. Maybe there are safe people and I just don't want to burden them, but I don't know how other people handle this. If you actually bear your heart and your soul and, um, if it relieves any of this pain, thank you. Okay. We have a triune creator God. This is important to understand because we are created in this triune creator God's image. 
We are created for fellowship and relationship. We crave to have it and we crave to offer it. And this is a beautiful thing. One of the devastating effects of abuse is the relational betrayal that it brings. When victims wake up to abuse and try to get out, they discover that many of their relationships are in fact abusive. And by abusive, I mean that they are controlling. So a relationship is abusive when one person in the relationship needs to exert power and control over the other person. So the target then becomes um, like a non-person in order to make the relationship work. Now, of course, this is not healthy, all right? It's, it's like a more of a parasitic relationship. And nobody was created or wired to thrive in that kind of relationship. Are you a woman of faith who also happens to be divorced? I've been developing a brand new program that will give you the tools you need to manage your thoughts and emotions, grow your self-confidence so that you can take risks and do things you never dreamed possible, and so you can build happy, healthy relationships with other people. Did you know none of this good stuff depends on your outward circumstances or your past? You can generate the life you've dreamed of all by yourself, and I'm gonna teach you how through online classes and transformational coaching. Are you ready to take your new life to the next level and fly higher? Learn more and get on the waiting list at joinflyinghigher.com. So getting away from abuse often means losing more than just a spouse. It means losing family and church and friends. And then in the aftermath of such a traumatic experience, many women feel like this woman, who in the world can I trust? I have experienced this myself. I was excommunicated from my church. The members of my family of origin have nothing to do with me now. And for a while, I even lost one of my older children. It was so tempting to capitulate and just go back and let them have their way with me again. My brain's programming kept telling me that I was a bad little girl, a disobedient little girl, a mean little girl. I wasn't making mummy happy anymore, and that made me a nasty, selfish child. But I held steady through those uncomfortable feelings And I began to rewire my programming with what I believe are now thoughts and beliefs that are serving me well in my new life. I had to learn how to have my own back. I had to learn how to love and care for a woman named Natalie and the little girl that was hiding inside of her. I had to nurture her back to life again so she would feel safe enough to come out and love again. Do you see the difference? I can now love others without letting them have their way. I can say, I love you. And no, I won't do that. I love you. And no, I'm not going to go there. I love you. And no, I won't believe that just because you do and you want me to. Now, this means that I don't trust everyone I meet. Okay. They have to earn my trust. This does not mean that I need to be unkind to people. I can be polite from a distance until someone has proven to be trustworthy. 
I am much better at watching people. I think I used to be really naive about people and just thought, assumed that everyone was um, amazing, okay? And everyone was going to be nice and everyone cared. Um, I, I used to rather have a relationship with other people than have a good relationship with myself. But now I have gotten much better at picking up on red flags, and I don't dismiss those red flags anymore. The Bible says that even Jesus trusted no man because he knew, the Bible says he knew what was in man. That doesn't mean Jesus didn't love us. He loves us, and he also knows we're going to mess up. So if we're going to be like Jesus, we will love others while also knowing they are going to mess up. And some of them are going to mess up in such a way that we just can't trust them. Some of them are not going to tell the truth. Some of them are not going to come clean. Some of them are not going to take responsibility. And our personal boundaries are going to keep us from falling into their vortex when they do those things. Now, that said, I want to say that I know hundreds of safe women who are full of empathy, understanding, personal experience, and love for one another. I see it every day in our Flying Free and Flying Higher program forums. We gather on Zoom every month. We get into small groups. I know dozens of women who have made lifelong in-person friendships through those programs. So if you do, if you feel like you've lost everybody and you're looking for a community that is non-judgmental, kind, loving, helpful, and supportive, You don't have to look very far. As I said earlier, Flying Higher is for divorced women, and it's opening up on January 27th. Flying Free is not going to be open again until this spring, but you can get on that waiting list by going to joinflyingfree.com. So it's joinflyinghigher.com for the program for divorced women, and it's joinflyingfree.com for the program for Christian women who are in their marriages and their, um, or you could be, you know, you could be getting out. And we do actually have divorced women in Flying Free as well. Um, All right, let's listen to our last question. I'm wondering if there are any resources besides your podcast, which I love, um, out there for teaching churches, biblical counselors, and other people, helpers, how to properly deal with abuse, how to recognize it, and how, how training on how to minister to families and victims of all sorts of abuse, whether it's emotional, spiritual, economic, physical, sexual, etc., I think it is a really big problem um, that we lack people with knowledge. And I'm wondering if there's a curriculum out there that seminaries could use to better equip future leaders in the church with more awareness of these issues. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's not that there aren't any good programs to train pastors, churches, and biblical counselors, because there are so many incredible resources now. It's wonderful, and I'll share some of those in a minute. The problem is not the lack of resources, the lack of information. The problem 
is the lack of interest. And my theory, I mean, all of, you know, those of us who are survivors, we're very interested in the church, you know, learning how to better um, serve women in abusive relationships or, or men in abusive relationships for that matter. We're, we're very invested in that. However, um, here's the thing. My theory about the lack of interest is that these institutions and their disciples, they have a theology that doesn't allow for the eradication of misogyny and abuse of women. Okay, it's actually their theology, their deeply embedded belief system that propagates misogyny and the abuse of women. Now, of course, they don't and would never say that they believe women are less than or should be mistreated. Of course not. But they teach a religious belief that says that women are under men. And you guys, this is the definition of abuse, power and control over another human being. Now, religions call this tradition, and some even say that the Bible teaches it, but power and control over someone else is abuse, plain and simple. And Jesus did not teach power and control, nor did Paul. There are so many resources out there that debunk that kind of destructive theology. If you go to my website, flyingfreenow.com, in the top menu bar, there is a resources link. And if you click on that, you'll get a drop-down menu. One of those pages is for pastors and other people helpers. And there's another page that gives resources to help you learn another perspective about women and ministry. Because here's the thing. If you believe that women are limited in the scope of their ministry simply because they're missing something between their legs, then you may need to do a little more studying on that subject. If you're anything like me, I, I grew up in an extremely conservative environment and I lived my whole adult life in that environment, okay? I had only studied the propaganda that I had been spoon-fed my entire life. That was my entire worldview. It's all I knew. In fact, I had been warned not to study anything else. But breaking out of that spiritually abusive environment enabled me to begin to branch out and study other Bible scholars and teachers, and it opened up my eyes to see a God who is not abusive, a God that I don't have to be afraid of, but a consistent, loving creator God who brings safety, freedom, peace, and joy. I think my favorite, you know, if you just want to have a go-to resource as far as a curriculum, you asked about a curriculum. I highly recommend the Give Her Wings Academy. It, it, it is a systematic curriculum. I think it takes nine months or maybe even a year to go through it. And it's for pastors and people helpers and biblical counselors and any kind of counselor. Um, and it it has some amazing teachers in there. It it. It, you know, just go and, and check it out, check out their website. I believe it's just giveherwingsacademy.com. You can, um, or Google it if that's not the exact URL. I highly recommend that one. And then again, um, there are links to other resources. If you go to my website, flyingfreenow.com, and just click on the resources, resources button in the menu bar. Okay, you guys, that's all I have for you today. If you enjoy this podcast, would you please go over to Apple iTunes and leave a rating and a review so that other Christian women can find this podcast. Share it with a friend. 
Share it with your counselor. Let other people know that this resource exists. We have 101 episodes as of today, and that's a huge vault of incredible information and, and um, education that's completely and totally free and available to Christian women. So let's get it into the hands of as many Christian women as possible, and let's raise awareness of emotional and spiritual abuse in the Church of Jesus Christ, so that our church, so that the church at large, is not something that's known for this. Right now, it's kind of known for being abusive, and that's the exact that's the exact opposite of what I believe that Jesus Christ came to set to um, establish in the hearts and the lives of men and women. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Until next time, fly free.